Reports, the historically thinking commonplace book for the week of November 25th, 2018. If you're a Facebook user, why not like our Facebook page and join that developing conversation? And while we're thankful if you're listening to this podcast at all, if you're listening onto the on the web, on our website, it would be much better for us if you download us from iTunes, from Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. November 25th, 1783, the holiday that now isn't. The last British soldiers withdrew from New York City on this date, their last military position in the United States. Evacuation Day became a local holiday in New York City, eventually fading in popularity by the middle of the 19th century and then pushed away altogether by the establishment of Thanksgiving. And on November 25, 1792, Benjamin Banneker first published his Farmer's Almanac. Benjamin Banneker was a mostly self-taught mathematician, one of those people who was able to go through an edition of Isaac Newton's Principia and find the errors. His grandmother had been a transported criminal from England. She had spilled a pail of milk and was convicted of theft, sent off to the colonies as an indentured servant. His grandfather had been enslaved and transported from Africa. Legendarily, his grandmother had bought his grandfather, freed him, and then married him. Benjamin's mathematical talents were so great that he was able to predict an eclipse in 1794 that few other astronomers and physicists in the world had been able to predict. In 1867, November 25th, Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel received U.S. patent number 78317 for his invention of dynamite. Nobel was from an industrialist family. His father used black powder to create tunnels and so on in Sweden, and he was looking for a better explosive. Alfred tried nitroglycerin, but nitroglycerin is highly volatile, unstable, um, responds badly to physical shock, and degrades quickly over time. Alfred first developed a blasting cap for nitroglycerin that used percussion rather than heat. Now he made nitroglycerin stable by combining it with diatomaceous earth so that it would not be set off so easily. The result replaced black powder, revolutionized industry and construction in the 19th century, and provided Nobel with a fortune with which he eventually endowed the Nobel Peace Prize. And a number of events which, in one way or another, foreshadow conversations you'll soon be able to hear on Historically Thinking. November 26th sees three of them. 43 BC, it's the date of the founding of the Second Triumvirate, an alliance of Roman leaders. Octavian, later proclaimed himself Caesar Augustus, Marcus Aemilius Lepidus, and Mark Antony. It didn't last. In 1688, French king Louis XIV declared war on the Netherlands, which, among other things, slowed down construction at Versailles to a crawl. And on November 26, 1867, the refrigerated railroad car was patented by J.B. Sutherland of Detroit, changing the eating habits of America forever. On November 28, 1777, the pirate now known as Blackbeard attacked a French merchant vessel called La Concorde, he captured it and transformed it into a warship, renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge, and it was on the Queen Anne's Revenge that he established his terrifying reputation. This is a date for 
the birth of historians. Charles Austin Beard, eminent progressive historian, revisionist historian of the Constitution, born November 27th, 1874. And, as fates would have it, Gordon Wood, born November 27th, 1933, author of The Creation of the American Republic and The Radicalism of the American Revolution, among others. Farther back, the eminent classicist Christian Matthias Theodor Mommsen, born 30th November 1817, perhaps the greatest classicist of the 19th century. And in 1907, Jacques Martin Barzun, November 30th, 1907, later to become famous as historian and also man of letters, professor at Columbia University and provost of the college. Here's a little bit from Jacques Barzun's 1989 compilation of essays called The Culture We Deserved. This is an essay, Where is History Now? We can hardly blame schools, textbook writers, least of all the young, when so many habits of mind and clear preferences in modern life work against the writing and relishing of history. In becoming specialists, historians have helped to braid specialist readers, people who read nothing but, say, Civil War military history, or who go in for what is known as industrial archaeology, finding the sites of old foundries all over the county. The histories that sell are for these buffs. In a book I once opened at random, my eye fell on a sentence that typifies the outlook. The French Revolution was a disaster for dentistry. Assuming a readable history, what is the use of reading it? In the most general terms, it is to extend one's experience. Everybody has an individual history, the events that, that one has shaped into patterns or the tale of last week's shocking incident. History, like happiness, is within you. Reading history adds to this funded experience, the experience of one's tribe and of the rest of mankind. It should come to us clarified and memorable. But has this experience any obvious and immediate use? What need is there to be familiar with what is dead and gone? It is hard enough to be of one's own time, and the best minds today prefer to study the future. It is not sufficiently recognized that our present view of what we want and can reach by living forward are the product of an extensive past. By an habitual awareness of its makeup, we can learn to sort out our wishes and perhaps improve the means of controlling our future. Not that studying history imparts formulas and recipes. It develops connoisseurship in human affairs, the intuition of what is likely and what is important. That's Jacques Barzun, Where is History Now? And that's the Commonplace Book for the week of November 25th, 2018. I'm Al Zambone, right in the corner where you are. <laughs>